The Spur of the Moment podcast is proudly presented by Shane Daigie, Realtor of Always Here Properties. Selling your home, buying your home, first-time buyers, investors, and seasoned home buyers. Call or text 512-540-1626, and I'll be glad to help with all of your real estate needs. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Spur of the Moment podcast. I'm your host, Shane Daigie. And I'm your co-host, Drew Daigie. Welcome to episode 145 of Spur of the Moment. Yeah, coming straight from the Simonator Studios in the heart of Texas, the Spurs battled hard with the Utah Jazz on March 29th, but ended up losing by a score of 128 to 117. That drops the Spurs' overall record to 19 wins, 57 losses, and improves the Utah Jazz to 36 and 40 overall. There was a Taylor Horton Tucker went off for the Utah Jazz, and he was a big reason why they beat us. He ended up scoring an uncharacteristic 41 points, and he was the uh, was a stalwart for the Utah Jazz. And really, that was a big difference of why the Spurs came up short. I know in the second half, the first half was really close, but as is the story, a lot of times this year, the second half, uh, we came up short. Drew, what were your thoughts about this game? Yeah, a rough game, like you said. Played the second half, a first half, very close. Only lost by two in the second half, but then in the, I mean, in the first half, in the second half, the Jazz just beat us by a lot. Didn't shoot terrible. We shot 47% from the field, while the Jazz shot 54%. We shot 28% from the three-point range when the Jazz shot 38%. A good game. And, man, THT surprised me and a lot of people. But there was no marketing, and he stepped up. And it was pretty good for the Lakers, so I knew he could do that. But a great night for him. Yeah. Well, so that brings it to that. We're going to get to some interviews and some tankathon and uh, top two, bottom two, and all the good stuff. But first, we want to offer congratulations for the Spurs Hall of Fame inductees. This year, we actually have four people getting inducted that have San Antonio Spurs ties. Um, one of them only played with us for a couple seasons, but uh, still we're going to recognize him. But, Drew, do you want to go over who the Hall of Famers are for your San Antonio Spurs? Yeah, we had a lot this year. I think we had a really good year. We had Popovich, Parker, Hammond, and Paul Gasol. I think this is a great class. But why didn't Ginobili make? Did he make it last year? Yeah, Ginobili made it. My bad, my bad. But yeah. So yeah, Greg Popovich in the Hall of Fame finally. I know they've tried to for a few years and he's declined it, but this year he's accepting it. Does that mean anything? What's up? Greg Popovich has declined Uh the Hall of Fame, and this year all of a sudden he accepted it. Does that mean anything to you? Ooh, I mean, I have seen some rumors about Greg Popovich, like he just. Looked at the banners before the game. Have you seen that? Uh-huh. Yeah. That that shows signs. This could be his last year. There's been some suspicious. He's been suspicious, but I think he's gonna stay more. I hope. I hope it's so too. It's been this every, way every year. It, it is every year at the end of the year. It turns into when is Popovich? What's he gonna do? Whatever. And I mean, I can say wholeheartedly, he's irreplaceable. You're not going to find another Greg Popovich. He's one of a kind. He's unique. But we can find somebody in the future that may be a good fit for our Spurs. But uh, that's for another day. We're not going to get into all that because we love Pop. And uh, congratulations to him. Obviously, TP, Tony Parker, getting in the hall. Much deserves. Becky Hammonds, 
for women's basketball and being uh, the first female assistant in the NBA. She deserves that and Pau Gasol for his years with the Spurs and the Lakers. So there's your Hall of Fame class. We're going to dial back into the Spurs-Jazz game, and we're going to listen to what sounds like a frustrated Trey Jones after this one. Yeah, uh, our offense was stagnant. We weren't getting a lot of movement. Uh, the first half we had um, some stretches there where we had good movement on offensive end, made them work, and uh, we got whatever shots we wanted in there uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, we didn't have the same movement, and um, shots weren't falling, and they are coming back at us in transition and whatnot. Kind of hard to believe this is your last game in this building this year. Right. Yeah, it's super crazy. Um, driving in today and everything, just thinking about how quick the year went. Uh, it's crazy. Um, but, you know, super thankful uh, for our support that we got all year from our fans. Um, obviously, it's a little bit of a down year for us. Um, you know, not, not winning as many games as we want to, but... Um, the, the fans continue to have our back every single night. You know, last game in here tonight, and, you know, it's almost sold out out there. So that was the last game in the AT&T Center, and uh, Trey Jones was talking about that because we have two games that are considered home games, but do you know where those games are, Drew? Uh, Austin. That's right. Two games in Austin. Yep, so they're going to play at the Moody uh, the Moody Arena or the Moody Center or whatever. They're, I know there's there's – I think Moody Center is what it's called. But anyway, yeah, that's the last one in the AT&T Center for this year. So close the close the book on that one. All right, now it's time for our Tankathon segment. Let's see what the Tankathon gives us tonight. And we're rolling. And we dropped to number six. Number six tonight. Who do you think we're going to get at number six, Drew? Ooh, at the number six spot, I think Jarris Walker is the pick there. I think Jarris Walker is the easily the pick there. A good march wasn't the best march. I thought they were going to go farther than they did. But he's just a rebound machine and defensive machine. And he doesn't. he's not averaging as much points, but I think he'll get more opportunities to score points in the NBA because he's on a stacked Houston team. Who do you think we would take? Yeah, so Jarris Walker, he's talking about from the University of Houston, and, and he's right. They got bounced out of the tournament earlier than they thought. But uh, I'm going to take Oscar Thompson. Uh, from the overtime elite, six seven two zero seven. We've talked about him a lot. His brother Amon is going to probably go in the top three or four picks, but Osser I think falls here, and uh, I think that's who we go with. So now it's time for our top two, bottom two. Drew, who are your top two? Yeah, for my number one on the top two, I went with uh, Malachi Branham in this game. I think he had a pretty good game overall. He had twenty one points. Shooting 7 of 12 from the field and 2 of 4 from the three point range with two rebounds and two assists and a steal. So, a good game for Malachi Branham. My second top two, there was a couple options here, but I went with Zach Collins, who did everything in the stat sheet 12 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, and 2 blocks, shooting 6 of 14 from the field in 31 minutes of play. He's my number two. Who do you have on the top two? Yeah, I thought that was good, and I agree with Malachi as number one. I've just really been tickled to death with Malachi Brandon this year. He's really done a lot of good things. He's scored more than I thought he was capable of just as a 19-year-old rookie. I know a lot of the attention gets on Jeremy Sohan, but Sohan has been banged up and hasn't played in a while. 
Um, but even still with him there, Malachi Branham has really put together a fine rookie year. So he's my number one. My number two, I differed with you a little bit. I have uh, Sandru Mamu Kalashvili. Um, he ended up with 17 points, eight boards, and five assists. I mean, not triple-double territory quite yet, but it's it's getting there. That's that's a pretty good night in only 29 minutes. So he was my number two. All right, let's get to the bottom two. Yeah, for my number one on the bottom two, I went with Blake Wesley. Not many options for the bottom two, to be honest with you. But I went with Blake Wesley. Only four points, shooting 0-4 from the field. Uh, in my ESP English, but Blake Wesley, I think he went 0-4 from the field, and he's my number one on the bottom two. My second on the bottom two went with Julian Champagne, who didn't shoot very well, shot one of six from the field. And how many points did he have? Champagne, he had, uh, where are we here? He had two points. Yeah, two points shooting one of six from the field. So he's my number two on the bottom two. Let's hear who you have. Yeah, and real quick, I I had the same two as you. I had Blake Wesley and Julian Champagne. One of the things I found interesting was that was Julian Champagne. He got the start in that game. Um, I mean, I know it wasn't a, the greatest night, but it's nice to see them throwing him in the fire. Why not? Why not just throw him in there, get some extra minutes, see how he is starting. But he, he was my number two on the bottom two. All right, now it's time for the question of the day. Remember, you can text your questions to 512-540-1626. Tonight's question comes from Larry in French Lick, Indiana. Larry's question was, who has made the most three-pointers in Spurs history? Drew, do you know that? Yes, I do know that. I have the list pulled up right here. The most threes in Spurs history is Manu Ginobili, who has 1,495 threes. But can you name the rest of the top three? Well, I'm going to say, do you want me to read your list? or do yeah, you want me to, sure, I, sure. Now that I see it, it's too late. Yeah. The, uh, the other two, Patty Mills and Danny Green. I did read something that, uh, now just to throw a counter into that, that the highest three-point percentage in Spurs history are actually one guy named Steve Kerr, 45% three-point shooter, and the other guy was Pau Gasol, 44% three-point shooter. <clears throat> yeah, and some more surprises. Keldon Johnson already in the top 15 in this list. Wow. And Bryn Forbes at nine. So those are two surprises, but what are your thoughts on this list? Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be interesting, and I think just as the NBA develops and uh, – Evolves. I think we're going to see a lot more Spurs on your, uh, you know, most three pointers list when it's all said and done. Do you think Ginobili gets passed? Ooh, that is a good question. Uh, does Ginobili get passed? Gosh, he's got a big margin over everybody. Um, man, Brandon Miller. <laughs> Brandon Miller could be. Yeah, I, I'm going to say yes. Just by, in that game, there were far less three-pointer shot when Ginobili play, played. So I just think in time, yeah, we're going to pass him. Okay. So. All right, now it's time for this day in Spurs history. Drew, what do you have for us? Yeah, I'm going to take us back to 1997, the year before Tim Duncan. We all know it. The Spurs lost to the Jazz at home 115-102. to we did have some bright spots in this game, though, because the San Antonio Spurs' leading scorer in this game was Monty Williams. I mean, sorry, Dominique Wilkins, who had 26 points, two rebounds, one assist, a good game from him. Corey Alexander, 
who had 16 points, 5 assists. Will Purdue, is that his name? Mm -hmm. 6 points, 11 rebounds. And we had Monty Williams, who had 13 points and 4 rebounds. This game got caused our record to go to 18 and 53, and the Jazz to go to 54 and 17. That is this day's first history on March 29th, 1997. All right, thanks for that one. And that record looks really similar to this yeah, year's does. record. Uh, we did get a once in a lifetime player though after that season, mm -hmm. so we'll see how that goes. All right. Now it's time to preview our upcoming game. And for the upcoming game, the Spurs traveled to Golden State to play the Warriors. Drew, what can you tell us about the Warriors? Yeah, the Golden State Warriors, a great team. They'll probably be favored by a lot of points because all of our games have been favored by – we've been not favored by 15 points. Like, it's crazy. We've been underdogs, my bad. Right. But our leading scorer in this game – I mean, their leading scorer is Seth, Steph Curry, who's averaging 29 points a game and six assists. Clay Thompson, who's averaging 22 points and two assists. The Jordan Pool Pool Party is averaging 20 points, four assists. And Andrew Wiggins, who's averaging 17 points, five rebounds, two assists. This Warriors team is very good when healthy. Their record won't show that, though, as it is only 40 and 37. What is your thoughts on the Golden State Warrior roster? I think they're really good. I think uh, this one's scary for us. Vegas has us as 18.5 point underdogs in this game. Um, I think the Warriors are starting to gear up for the playoffs, and the Spurs are gearing up for the draft, so I think it's not going to be pretty for us. I've got the Warriors winning by 13, and my player to go off is going to be Malachi Branham. I think he's going to roll with that. He had a great game against the Jazz, and I think he has a great game against the Golden State Warriors, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I think we do beat the Vegas spread. I think we're only going to lose by 13. Drew? Yeah, so my player to go off is going to be Julian Champagne, who got surprised by getting the start. I don't think he'll start this game, and I think he'll play better off the bench, which he has been playing better this year. So he's my player to go off. But my prediction for this game, I think I'm going to have to take the Warriors here by 10 points in this contest. All right. Well, there you go. That brings us to the end of the Spur of the Moment podcast. Thanks for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Drew, would you take us home, please? Yes, thank you, everybody, for joining us. And as always, go Spurs, go! Ah.